Baruni's Hotel and Grill is the perfect spot to catch the game on one of our 20 flat screen TVs and selection of more than 300 beers. Head to our website for our full menu and daily food specials such as our 50 cent wings on Sundays. and welcome back to another edition of the Steelers Cast on TimesOnline.com. I'm Chris Bradford along with Chris Mueller and here we are today at Baroonies on Dust Avenue in Baden talking all things Steelers and talking a lot about uh, last week's game in Philadelphia. That one was ugly. I had to watch it again yesterday for uh, work and fortunately I get paid to watch it because that was pretty tough to watch. A 34-3 loss in Philadelphia. Worst loss in Mike Tomlin's tenure. Uh, Steelers still haven't won a game in Philadelphia now since 1965. Yeah. Uh, drop passes, blocked field goal, missed tackles, and, of course, a lot of injuries. Just a brutal, brutal game in Philadelphia. Yeah, definitely uh, not the outcome that anyone expected, obviously. It was two undefeated teams, one team very talented, with ev- which everybody already knew in the Steelers. And the Eagles had a lot of questions surrounding a rookie quarterback, a defense uh, that had played two subpar teams. And, really, the Eagles just took it to them. And in every aspect, uh, every facet of the game, offense, defense, special teams. Um, I mean, we both last week picked uh, the Steelers to handily. come out. Yeah, handily. I think everyone did. And they kind of had a reality check a little bit, I'd like to say. I'd like to think, you know, in a game like that. Well, I did predict that the Steelers would score 34 points, not foreseeing <laughs> that it would be the Eagles putting up 34. Yeah. And as much credit as I want to give, you know, Philadelphia, I thought Carson Wentz showed that he is the real deal. Yeah. You know, I think that, you know, the sky's the limit for the kid. I think it said uh, said a lot more about the Steelers than I think it did the Eagles. I was terribly disappointed by what I saw in Pittsburgh. Uh, the defense, yeah. it was bad. I mean, th- that's the thing. I think the, the Philadelphia defense kind of didn't expose the Steelers' offense but showed a way to slow them down as in limiting – the run game, I mean, D'Angelo Williams had eight rushes for 21 yards, and once uh, Philadelphia took an early lead, it forced, Mike Tomlin even said it today in his press conference, he got out of the run too quickly. It forced them to just be one-dimensional, and then that's when the Eagles kind of focused on uh, their pass rush. It was just, it, it played really well into the, what the def, uh, the Eagles' defensive strengths are, and then uh, after that, there was really nothing, you know, Ben Roethlisberger could do. Yeah, I think that the first the drop pass by Marcus Wheaton, you hate yeah. to say you know one drop pass you know cost them the game, but you could certainly see the momentum in that game shift after that point. Then they had the block field goal. Yeah, and it just went downhill quickly for the Steelers from there. I mean, just imagine if Mark if Wheaton catches that, then it's a it's a touch seven seven three game at that point, right? Or right. No, yeah. So I mean it. It, you can't blame it just on that. I mean, Wheaton had another big drop later in the game, but um, it definitely hurt their chances. and hurt. It's a momentum killer. Yeah, and it, it, they never took the crowd out of the game. That was a tremendous atmosphere uh, yeah. at Lincoln Financial Field. Uh, just brutally bad all around. And, of course, the defense. We have to come back to the defense. Mm-hmm. I know they're 300-yard passing game. I think oh, we've kind of come to – 100-yard receiver. I think we've come to expect those kind of numbers. Yeah, I, I mean, expect – You shouldn't expect that, but that's at least what we've seen over these three weeks. And when you you don't have a a pass rush, you can't get after the quarterback, you can't take him down, you let you give a – even if it's a rookie, Carson Wentz, ample time to throw, he's going to be able to do that. I mean, they did hurt the Steelers with screens and dump-offs a lot, you know, quick three, five-second five drops. But, I mean, it's it's very concerning, I mean, how they played and, and kind of how they let an offense like that put up 34 points basically at ease. Yeah, and I, I don't know if they should. They blitz more? I'm, I'm getting to that point. I, I know Mike Tomlin always talks about, you know, getting pressure with four, but it's not working. It's, yeah. They have one sack through three games and nothing to show for it. No, I know. But then – your secondary is so unproven at that point, and, and there are uh, 
youth and inexperience, you know, in it. So where if you are blitzing, are you leaving them exposed? That's the question. That's kind of the, the medium that you have to, to weather in terms of if you do need more pass rushing or not. And so, I mean, I don't have the answer to that. I mean, I don't even know if Keith Butler does at this point. No, I don't. Th- yeah. That's that's why they get paid the big bucks because <laughs> we can us. just sit here and talk about yeah, it and, but. and chirp away. Uh, getting back to the offense a little bit, I think – you know, the defense, we kind of, you don't want to say they expect them to give up 300 yards every game, but you expect the offense to put up 30 points when they score three points. Yeah, that I mean, that's exactly what I wrote about uh, yesterday. Just this was the first game that the Steelers defense wasn't playing with a lead and they weren't playing against an offense that was already kind of one dimensional. You know, in Washington, they had no run game. They were they were down early and they had to just, you know, throw it, air it out, air it out. And that's that enabled uh, the the, the secondary to just play cushions, but I mean, this this way it was dictated. This game it was dictated the other way. They they didn't play with a lead. They didn't have that fortune to kind of you know make a team know what a team's gonna do to you, and then look what happened. So taking all this stuff into consideration, bad play all yeah. around. I think except maybe Jordan Berry. I'm Antonio Brown, he another bright spot. I mean, he had the quietest 140 yards. That was ever. a very quiet 140 yards. I mean, but if you wa- you rewatch the game, look at the Steelers' first drive. They, I mean, Eli Rogers had a big catch on third down on, on a on an outside post. Like they they were moving the ball, and if you watch that first drive, it's like, how did this team lose 34 to three? You know, I, I mean, that's at least what I thought. Like everything looked well, and then that block field goal. Next thing you know. So downhill. That brings us to the conclusion. Should we be concerned about the Steelers? Is this, you know, change your perception of the team? Is this still this, the Super Bowl team that everybody was talking about? It was going to be them in New England uh, come late January playing for the AFC Championship? It's week three. I mean, I, you, you should be concerned. I wouldn't panic. That's the way I'd put it. I mean, I don't I don't think it's it's like devastating. There's still a lot of time to work out some things. I mean, I think uh, Le'Veon Bell coming back this week is only going to help make matters better. But it's really the defense that they've got to figure out. Can Artie Burns and Justin Gilbert kind of emerge to give them more of a presence in the secondary? I think that's going to be very important. And they have to figure out this pass rush. Mm-hmm. I mean, I see those two things are uh, areas of concern that they need to shore up. But, no, I still think that they're they're a playoff contender and possible uh, – you know, Tom Brady threat, Tom Brady's <laughs> threat to make it to, to the Super Bowl. Well, I, I definitely agree with you. I think this is sort of, you know, the proverbial blip on the radar, and that's part of the NFL, part yeah. of the lure of the NFL, is everything is so magnified, and the highs are, you know, High mountaintops, and the lows man. are so low. Mm-hmm. And uh, granted, this one is as bad a bad as game as I've ever seen a Mike Tomlin team play. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I think the Steelers would be all right in the long run. But l- looking now at the short term, in addition to that loss in Philadelphia – the Steelers also lost a few players along the way. They do get Le'Veon Bell coming back this week, as we mentioned, but they also could be now at without uh, linebacker Ryan Shazier. You could be without Eli Rogers. You could be without Ramon Foster. Mike Tomlin saying during his weekly press conference that those three guys are very questionable, which mm-hmm. sounds to me like not playing. Yeah. And then you also have, you know, Sean Davis apparently now has a back injury, which means he might not be available. Uh, Robert Golden with the hamstring. Yeah, he, you know, he's All questionable. All at once. You, know, there was, you could be down two safeties. And then you're looking at Shamarco Thomas playing, and that's yeah. not where the Steelers want to be. No, I mean, then that forces Artie Burns to play. If Sean Davis is out, I mean, they're going to need to do something nickel. That's Gilbert and, and Burns playing there. I mean, when looking at, at the offense, when it, it comes to Eli Rogers, yeah, it's kind of, it hurts, but they have Marcus Wheaton. They have depth at the position. Ramon Foster, apparently Mike Tomlin liked the way B.J. Finney played. I mean, 
said he was solid. I asked. <laughs> yeah, I said, he, he didn't, didn't get a great he answer. He said he was solid. Yeah, he was solid. But granted, he was playing against a Philadelphia defensive line that was having their way. Um, but I mean, so so those two. You know, those two, I'd say, are kind of not as, as bad as the secondary in terms of worrying me. And then with Shazier, uh, you have Vince Williams and, and who can kind of step in in that role. So Yeah, I, back to Shazier, and I hate to say this, but it's getting frustrating. It's paper mache. You know? Yeah, I hate, so I hate to use talented. those kind of terms. I know, he's so talented, that's the thing. But it's like, I mean, this is a recurring injury. It's not like a new yeah. one. He's He hurt his knee. It's a re-aggravation of his MCL. Yeah, ho- hopefully he's not out long. You just you got you got to feel for the guy. He's had you you know, absolutely no luck with the injuries. Same with Eli Rogers. He missed all last season with the injuries. And look just at how hard Shazier works in terms of taking care of his body and literally getting in peak condition and everything coming back from injuries. And then it's just like that. I mean, he does play at the probably the most physical position in the game though, as a linebacker. But I mean, yeah. It, it, Good thing they have Vince Williams. That's yep. what I'd say. Yeah, I think you know, Vince Williams, they've always said he's good enough to start um, probably on any other team. <laughs> well, like this, this might be his chance. This is his chance. Uh, yeah. So the Steelers will definitely have their work cut out for them when they play the Kansas City Chiefs who are coming off a pretty impressive win uh, against the New York Jets. When we come back, we'll be talking to Wesley Roush of the Chiefs Wire at USA Today, and he'll be telling us a little bit about Kansas City and what we can expect this week at Heinz Field when they face the Steelers on a Sunday night primetime game. Stay tuned for more. Okay, and welcome back to thetimesonline.com. This is the Steelers cast with Chris Bradford and Chris Mueller. Now we're going to get an uh, out-of-town perspective from Wesley Roche. He covers the Kansas City Chiefs for the Chiefs Wire, powered by usatoday.com. We welcome aboard Wesley. Andy Reid, obviously, uh, you know, you're going to say what you want about him, but the, the lack of wins in some big games, uh, the time management issues over the years. But the guy does win. How has uh, Andy Reid been able to change the culture there in Kansas City? Um, you know, uh, ever since we got here, it kind of, you know, we kind of expect the Chiefs to win a little bit more. I mean, starting in 2013, whenever he took this team to the playoffs in his first year. And, uh, you know, the time management issues definitely are an issue, but, I mean, it's not, it's, it's kind of nitpicky sometimes. I mean, it's, it's not as big of issues as we had, as the Chiefs had with, you know, previous coaches. You know, we, the, they had some, you know, terrible coaches back in the day, and, so Andy Reid just kind of come here and has, you know, shifted this whole team around and the, made it to where, you know, the roster is so deep and everybody's contributing and stuff like that. Uh, Le'Veon Bell might not be the only running back who could be making his uh, 2016 debut this week. Uh, Chiefs could be getting Jamal Charles back. Uh, do you expect Charles to play, and how effective can he be after such a long layoff? Um, I'd say that Charles probably has a 50-50 shot. Um, you know, Andy Reid's been saying, he said that, Yesterday on Monday, that um, Charles has a chance to play, but he's been saying that the last couple of weeks. So he's kind of hinting more and more over the last couple of weeks that Charles is going to play, but you know, in the end, they decide not to play him. So I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, sat him one more week since the Chiefs' bye week, and then week five it would make sense for them to want to rest him one more week so he gets two weeks of rest. But if he does play, um, I wouldn't expect him to see a whole lot of touches. I'd probably say like fifteen. Five to fifteen touches per game or during the game is what he's going to get because Spencer Ware is playing really well in the running back spot, so there's no reason to you know give him like a huge workload. Uh, Alex Smith has been there now for what four years. Uh, he doesn't get a ton of national attention, but he is 32 and 17 as a starter there. What's made him and Kansas City such a good fit? Um, you know, uh, I, I think it's just because Andy Reid knows how to utilize Alex Smith's strength. Um, 
you know, he knows how to utilize all the playmakers around him. Uh, you know, Alex knows, you know, if he, if he can't go deep, which he does try to go deep sometimes, but everybody knows that his deep ball is kind of 50-50. Um, you know, he utilizes his receivers like Macklin and guys like Chris Conley and Travis Kelsey, um, just kind of like middle passes and screen passes. And, you know, he does a lot of those dump offs to to the running backs, which, you know, a lot of, a lot of people might get frustrated by the dumps, but they work a lot. And, uh, Chiefs have a lot of playmakers in the backfield that can, you know, Wes, uh, Chris Mueller here. Marcus Peters has flown under the radar a little bit uh, while playing for Kansas City, but it looks like that's changing. Uh, the, fir- the former first-round pick is quickly becoming one of the best corners in the league. What do you feel is, has made this guy so good so soon? You know, um, I think that one thing I love about Marcus Peters is that he can track the ball really well. Um, you know, he has a good – he has a good awareness for where the ball is, where the quarterback's eyes are. And if you ever uh, get a chance to watch some, you know, coaches' film on NFL Game Pass, you can see you can see Marcus Peters the way he, you know, he's just really, really steady in his coverage. And uh, sometimes he'll give up some yards because he likes to jump the ball too much, or because you know he he feels like he's being held and he might call PI. But you know, sometimes those mistakes are worth it. Yeah. Uh, you know the plays that he goes, the plays that he makes, like the interceptions, their work, the miscues that he might have during the game. Chiefs defense is coming off a week where they force eight turnovers, and I mean, uh, as a whole this season, they're just letting up 16.3 uh, points per game. What's been key to how strong they've played uh, through these early stages of the season? Um, you know, the defense has been playing well, partly due to the secondary has been really well. They were kind of shaky in the first game. But the last two games, uh, they've been they played really, really well. Marcus Peters, obviously, like we discussed, is playing well. Uh, Steven Nelson has been phenomenal on nickel, especially in the Jets game. I only saw him give up maybe one catch, and it was probably for under ten yards, but what I remember right. Um, Philip Gaines has done well. He's you know he's given up a play here and there, but I mean you know considering that Peters and Nelson have been shutting their guys down, somebody's going to have to be targeted and give up some yards. And so I think that's just been a big part of it. The secondary has been kind of making up for the slack that the pass rush hasn't been able to produce. Sounds familiar. Uh, Denver's owned the AFC West there in, in recent years, and they're off to a three and zero start. But they do have that that rookie quarterback uh, Simeon in there. Uh, Oakland's been kind been been kind of a trendy pick this year for a lot of people. Where do the Chiefs, the Chiefs fit in, in the division this year? Uh, can they expect another you know ten win, ten game win streak? How do you how do they get back into the playoffs? Uh, ten game one streak would be nice. Um, no, I, I think that I think the Chiefs do get into the playoffs. Um, if the Broncos keep playing as well as they do, the way they are now, then I guess the Chiefs are looking at wild card because you know a lot of people thought that this division was kind of a sure thing with Peyton Manning being gone and Trevor Simeon of all people starting for Denver. But that with the way they're playing, um, it's definitely going to be a tough division. And a lot of people didn't expect the Chargers to look as good as they have. Um, you know, they, I mean, obviously they have flaws, but they have looked like a team that can contend for the division. So it's going to be really tight between, you know, the Chiefs and, Ra- Chiefs and Raiders as well. Um, not really sure how it's going to go down, but I'd say most people in Kansas City are pretty confident that, that the Chiefs will manage a playoff appearance this year. Now, the Steelers are going to be a touchdown favorite going into this week's game. Uh, they have Le'Veon Bell coming back. Obviously, they're going to be pretty ticked off coming off uh, a pretty bad loss in Philadelphia uh, last week. Who do you like in this game uh, at Heinz Field? Um, you know, as long as Kansas City plays 
like they did against the Jets. I, I like Kansas City in the game by a very small margin. Um, I, I'm i a little bit worried about Ben Roethlisberger and his bounce-back ability and the fact that the Chiefs can't generate any pass rush. Um, they've been able to – Chiefs have been able to get into quarterback faces, but they haven't been able to go all the way, I guess. That's what Justin Houston is there for. And so, you know, Ben Roethlisberger isn't afraid of anybody getting in his face. So it's, it, it could be a problem. Um but, you know, as long as the secondary keeps playing as well as it has, um, I've heard that the Steelers have had some trouble with their receivers, especially in the last game. Then you know, it, it, could be a, it could be a favorable matchup for Kansas City. All right. Thank you, Wesley Roche. He covers the Chiefs for Chiefs Wire. When we come back, we'll be talking a little bit more about the Steelers and Chiefs game coming up and the Steelers' three keys to victory and a little our own prediction of who's going to win this week. Uh, stay tuned when we come back. Okay, welcome back to the Steelers cast on timesonline.com. This is Chris Bradford with Chris Mueller. We're talking about this week's upcoming game against the Kansas City Chiefs and the Steelers' three keys to victory. And I think we've identified first and foremost for the Steelers that they need to establish the run game. They get Le'Veon Bell back, who they feel is the best running back in the league. And yeah. clearly, I think, maybe the best all-around running back in the game. No, I'd agree with that. You can uh, put him in the backfield. You can you know, use him in the screen game. You can split him out into the slot. You can do a lot with Le'Veon Bell that's going to take uh, the defense's you know, eyes off of uh, other weapons such as Antonio Brown, Sammy Coates, Marcus Wheaton, and you can even split them out and then put D. Will in the backfield and see how that kind of goes. So I think it's going to be important, as you said, for them to establish the run. Kansas City gives up uh, so far 108 yards on the ground per game. So right, I 24th. Mean, yeah, so I mean uh, – we could see. I mean, I think early we're gonna we're gonna tell if this is gonna be you know a big run game or not uh, from the Steelers based off what they can do against the Kansas City defensive line. Yeah, the Steelers did a lot of good things in the run game in the first two two weeks uh, yeah. against Washington and Cincinnati. Then it sort of just fell apart on them uh, against Philadelphia. They didn't you know, even try to run the ball as we mentioned earlier. You know, yeah. Against the 20, 24th ranked uh, run defense, I think the Steelers should have success, and I think they're going to get an emotional lift by having Le'Veon Bell back. It's a Sunday night game, prime time. Uh, I think any uh, bad feelings over the uh, Philadelphia game are going to subside by then and if the Steelers can get uh, Bell going that could be the best sign for them moving forward because he is such a big part of this offense. Nah, yeah. definitely. And then moving into key two, I mean, I think it's going to be very important on the other side of the ball to do something they haven't all season, which is uh, pressure the quarterback. You can't give Alex Smith a lot of time. Yeah, and I suspect we're going to see a lot of what Alex Smith is going to try to do is what they what Carson Wentz was able to do against uh, the Steelers, and that's a lot of screens, a lot yeah. of misdirection. Yeah. Try to get the uh, the Steelers' defense and expose them. A lot of pre-snap reads. I mean, obviously, not only uh, are is Doug Peterson coming from the Andy Reid coaching tree, also Carson Wentz, the most qu the quarterback that he's compared to the most so far, is Alex Smith. So, I mean, we're going to see a lot of the same kind of things in terms of how uh, you know what throws he's making. You know, kind of Andy Reid offensive style. You know, airing it out like that. And that's actually a pretty interesting coaching tree when you think about it, because it's you know yeah. Doug Peterson, then you got uh, Andy Reid. And mm -hmm. Andy Reid goes to Mike Holmgren. Mike Holmgren goes to Bill Walsh. And Bill Walsh, of course, is the uh, the architect of the, the West Coast offense that you still see to this day. And the uh, Chiefs are big uh, believers in that with Alex Smith. Guy has yeah. some mobility. I uh, mean, yeah, he did. No, I'd say. Yeah, he has, he has, Alex Smith has good mobility. Uh, he can run around. He's, he's, not, he's not a kid anymore. He was with the first first overall pick now it's hard to believe uh 11 years ago I couldn't even believe that when I was looking this up but uh and he's, he's only gotten better as his career has gone on I feel yeah and as uh, we were talking with uh, Wesley Roche uh you know 
for whatever reason, I think this is the perfect fit for him in Andy Reid's system out there in Kansas City. I mean, yeah, he did play well in their last meeting, uh, a 23-13 win by the Chiefs on October 25th. It was it was in that game. I mean, Landry Jones was starting uh, for the Steelers when Ben Roethlisberger was out, but Smith led the Chiefs. It was on an 84-8-play, 84-yard drive capped off by a six-yard touchdown uh, to win the game after it was a it was a 16-13 game at that point. So, I mean. He he's he's a prototypical game manager Andy Reid style quarterback, but he can he can't hurt you know. And we we mentioned Ben Roethlisberger earlier, who wasn't yeah. available for last year's game uh, in Kansas City. That one's Arrowhead. This year, we what we've seen from Ben Roethlisberger, he's now our third key to victory. Mm-hmm. He's shown you know spurts of being the Ben Roethlisberger that we've all expected to see, the guy who was expected to challenge you know Peyton Manning's single season passing record, but he hasn't done it enough consistently through the first three weeks. We've seen him miss you know a wide open Jesse James last week in uh, Philadelphia. You know, yeah. he struggled mightily, I think, with the weather conditions the week before that against Cincinnati. It's kind of a slow start in Washington. You know, what's been going on with Ben Roethlisberger, and do you expect this to continue? No. I mean, I think it's early. I mean, it, you know, it's only uh, week four. We're heading into week four. It's just kind of – I think he's he's getting into the groove of things. I mean, I feel like Ben always has this one or two games per season where he does, you know, kind of lay an egg like he did uh, in Philadelphia, but I wouldn't expect it to carry on. I mean, I think it's just something you bounce back from, as he has shown to do in years past. No, I agree. And I, I think if you are going to lay an egg, better lay an egg in week three than – Against you know, an NFC team. Uh, yeah, especially yeah. against an NFC team where it's not going to hurt you in the, in the playoff picture, yeah. you know, than in December or January. The Steelers know now – Dropped to two and one, uh-huh. and surprisingly, it is the Baltimore Ravens who are three and O. Yeah, one of the few uh, three and O teams, and leading the AFC North. Cincinnati behind the Steelers, uh-huh. in the same boat at two and one. Cleveland. Yeah, I regret uh, in our uh, pre preseason kind of analysis of where the teams. I said the Browns were actually going to be okay, and I completely take that back. <laughs> no, uh, you know what? I I think I was one of the people who said they could win four or five games, and I'm still standing by that because. Was it last yeah. week? They they should have won uh, against Baltimore. <laughs> and what happened there? They blew a 20-point lead. was like in I mean, the largest should, lead they've ever blown. They should not have won that. <laughs> if, if you blow a 20 – yeah, I mean, like – But yeah. they were in it. And then yeah. this week they, they lose uh, – when the kicker misses three field goals, uh, Cody Parkey misses mm-hmm. three field goals. You know, again, they're in that game. They probably could have beat the Miami Dolphins if they get those field goals. So I'm going to say the Browns are bad, but I'm still going to hold my, my pick and, of – Wins. And it's not all completely their fault. I mean, injuries, as we saw at the Steelers, you can't control injuries like that. I mean, RG3 and Nassib, Carl Nassib, the uh, rookie who was starting, broke his hand, the receiver. Uh, you know, it's just it's a mess down there. Okay, but enough, but enough of the Cleveland Browns. That <laughs> brings us to back to yeah. Sunday's game, Sunday night, big primetime game. Uh, a lot of eyes will be on the Steelers looking to see if they bounce back from that de- debacle in Philadelphia. What do you see happening in this one? Uh, I mean, I've picked – I picked the Steelers a win through these first three weeks, but this is the week I'm not. I mean, I'm not. I think the injuries are going to be too much of an issue, uh, especially in the secondary. And I think the Chiefs, Alex Smith, you know, comes to Heinz Field, even in prime time, even on friendly confines, and wins 27-17. Yeah, I, I like mean, you know, you, if there's a game to go against them, I think, like, I could see the Steelers falling 2-2 two and two like this and kind of That would really be typical Steelers hit, fashion. Yeah, hit, having to hit – ground zero a little bit and start over again. But um, I just think these injuries are really, especially on the defensive side of the ball, Shazier could be out. We don't know what's going to happen if Golden and Sean Davis, if Golden and Sean Davis can't go, that's going to be a mess. Yeah, I think the Steelers are definitely going to be in for a tough one. I yeah. think you know those injuries are going to play a huge factor. I still like them to win. Mm-hmm. I think Le'Veon Bell, uh, 
should provide them a spark. I like them winning 23-21. But unfortunately for us, it's a deadline game. We're going to be writing that game. <laughs> game starts at 8.30, so we're going to be sweating it out and hoping you know, for Chris Boswell or whoever to hoping kick a field goal. A, hoping for a blowout so we can just start writing in the third quarter. Last week was so good for that. <laughs> you got to get those blowouts on the on these primetime games at night. But uh, yeah. oh, well. You don't want to hear about our problems. We'll... So that'll do it for this week. Uh, thank you for uh, tuning in. We will talk to you next week uh, here on the timesonline.com Steelers podcast. We'll be doing a video later this week to update you on the injury situation because it is a pretty fluid situation. Mm-hmm. You know, we got a lot of guys who are questionable. We'll f- probably have a better determination if those guys are going to play Sunday night or not. Uh, until then, I'm Chris Bradford. That's Chris Mueller. We'll catch you next time.